0: Good afternoon everybody, this is Joe Cunningham right here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. It is the Joe Cunningham Show on this exciting day, one of the most exciting days of the year. This is without a doubt, Um, the, the these days are the most exciting in all of sports. The NCAA tournament has started. In fact, a little over an hour ago, we witnessed the birth of a supervillain. You know, in 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 comics, one of the best stories told was The Killing Joke. And it is a it is a Batman comic, and the Joker in there, there's a lot of heavy stuff in there, but the, the Joker gives a speech in there and basically boiling it down to all it takes is one bad day. For a person to snap, and the bad day of the day has to go to the University of Virginia player who was trapped at the far end of the court, uh, getting pressed had nowhere to go. In that situation, you've got two guys who have trapped you. Uh, you either call a timeout. If you don't have any timeouts, you bounce the ball off their leg and let the ball go out of bounds, so you can stop the clock and reset your 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 offense. And instead, this player made the worst possible decision. Virginia's up 67-65 with mere seconds to go. This guy's trapped in the corner. He just takes the ball, rears back, and launches it. Ball clears half court and lands right in the hands of a Furman University player. And that player looks up court passes the ball to his guy on the three point line. That guy takes the shot of a lifetime. Furman beats Virginia 68 to 67 in the first of what I hope are several upsets in the NCAA tournament. I love this time. I didn't always love basketball. when When I first moved down here, I was working as a sports reporter. And I didn't like basketball season. I was not very good at writing sports stories that just kind of track the game and write how the game progresses. You know, the, these, sport, the, these game recap stories. I was not very good at those. It was, frankly, very boring writing. It was some of my most boring writing. Uh, I, could, I could tell a story, but those game recaps, I just could not for the life of me make them interesting. But it was the kind of stuff, those stats and everything. Everybody wanted to see their kids' stats. And all that. So it was it was kind of what I was told to write. I just was not able to make it very interesting. And I didn't really like basketball season because it was multiple nights a week, going to high school games, like talking to the players, like talking to the coaches, did not like watching and, and keeping track of the games. But I did it. It was fine. Then I switched over to education and eventually just kind of fell into coaching basketball. And I, I enjoyed that a whole lot. It was kind of, it was very much a flip, and that's when I started watching basketball and really analyzing the game a lot more. Had I been a basketball coach before a sports journalist, my sports journalist career might have been better. But alas, I, I, I I'm somebody who needs the practical experience before I can really understand uh, the the different machinations, I guess you could say, of basketball. But but whatever. Um, But I enjoy watching college basketball more than the NBA. I like watching college basketball and March is the most exciting month of the year. The March Madness tournament is without a doubt one of the most exciting times of the year and nothing really beats the first four days. When you have the first round, everybody's playing and the, the playing field is not level in the first round, but it's closer to level because everybody's motivated. The, the, the teams that are at the lower seeds, those are teams that, that are bubble teams they barely get in. They're teams that are maybe come from smaller universities and won conference titles and they're now in this big dance and they're they're ready to show a spotlight on their school. Uh there's the big legacy teams that are out to prove they are once again one of the best teams out there. It's just it's stellar. Everybody's motivated, everybody's highly, highly charged in that moment. And then you get that last, that crazy last Few seconds series of events that leads to number 13 Furman beating uh, number four Virginia. You will have tonight at 840. The Cajuns stepping onto the floor against the number four Tennessee Volunteers. I have a piece at uh at 965com and it's a it's a keys to victory type uh, breakdown of what the Cajuns really need to do, how they can manage to pull off the upset here. Keep in mind, Tennessee is a 10 and point favorite in this game. But everybody who's writing these odds, they're they're not they're, they're confident that Tennessee is going to be able to cover easily. But they are very quick to say UL can pull it off. And I really think UL can. Here's the thing for for you. And I mentioned some of this at the end of the show yesterday, but I want to open with it today, because, you know. This is a show about the news of the day. Well, what's the biggest news of the day here in Lafayette? The fact that our Raging Cages basketball team is going to, you know, take part in round one of March Madness. That's like the biggest thing going on right now. So, anyway. Tennessee has several players, including one of their top guards, um, who are injured. That top guard, uh, Zakiya Ziegler, has a torn ACL. He had a successful ACL surgery, but he's out. He was averaging double digits in scoring per game. He was a good guard and they're, they're without him. They have several players at various positions who uh, have some nagging injuries. And to be frank with you, Tennessee's offense is really not that impressive. If you go and you watch some of their games, Tennessee's offense really is not anything to write home about. Um, um, they they don't have high percentages in a lot of their key stats but i think the biggest thing here is that the cajuns can out rebound them statistically looking at the stats the cajuns can out rebound tennessee and if tennessee is shooting very low percentage on you know from the field at the three point line at the free throw line if tennessee is shooting low averages there the cajuns have the abil- the ability to get the rebound maybe beat the volunteers back in transition or even You know, just set up their offense and run. Now, here's the thing. Transition would be preferable here. Because while Tennessee's offense is nothing to write home about, their defense has been a pretty shining spot for them. Tennessee does have a good defense. And in the South Alabama game, the the Sunbelt Conference Championship game, South Alabama was able to slow the Cajuns' offense down by trapping Jordan Brown. So the Cajuns have to make sure that Jordan Brown is able to get the ball without getting trapped, without getting stuck on offense, able to move the ball around. But he also needs to be able to penetrate and attack the paint uh, and make the buckets inside because that's really going to help the Cajuns quite a bit. I really do think the Cajuns are fully capable of doing it. Again, though, that Tennessee defense is going to be a pretty tough wall to get through. The you You don't just attack the gaps and penetrate in. Against Tennessee, you, you, you can't. You have to really work the work to move the ball around, move the move everything around the floor, get that defense out of position, then attack, because just trying straight away, it, it's, it's not going to be as successful unless you are just a godly player. But the Cajuns have the ability to do that. I think it's going to be a very interesting game to watch. If the Cajuns keep it close and they can just wear down Tennessee, who again... Lingering injuries among some of their best players, the Cajuns have a very good shot at being one of those teams that can upset a top seed tonight. And so that will be at eight forty tonight. Uh, it will be uh, you. You can listen to it here on News Talk ninety six point five K You can't. You, you won't be able to listen to it through the app. The the, the NCAA does not allow streaming by affiliates so only terrestrial radio you can get it you can't we we can't stream the game uh but you can listen to it on terrestrial radio uh you'll be able to watch it it will be a fun game to watch and i really hope the cajuns can pull it off because what a story that would be we've got plenty of stories about uh, past appearances by the Cajuns. Like I said, I've got my, uh, my the, the keys to victory post, basically what the Cajuns need to do on the floor in order to win. But it's going to be an exciting game. And again, this is my favorite time in the sports. I, I love college. College football is my favorite sport. Don't get me wrong. But nothing is as exciting as the first few days of March Madness. When in literally anything can and will happen, you know, when you get to the college football playoffs, you've got the top four teams, they're, they're going to be the top four teams, they're going to play a a, a, a top caliber game. March Madness is huge 68 teams, four play in games. Once those play in games are done, 64 teams all going for that national title game after game after game after game after game. Furman University. Comes in, beats the number four seed. Virginia. Virginia's a legacy school. Virginia's out now. Kansas. Kansas uh number one seed. I think they're about to beat Howard if they haven't already. Kamala Harris went to that game and tied up traffic. Uh tied up traffic over there for whatever reason. She was there was somebody who was caught actually on, on the TV stream sniff, leaning forward and sniffing Kamala Harris, which raises which raises all sorts of other questions, but I digress. Anyway. Lots of great games that have already been played today. Lots more coming up today. I love this time of year. I imagine I'll be talking a little bit more about it as March Madness goes on. But anyway, let's go ahead and take this break to open up the uh, to to go into our first break. Come back, and then we'll get into the other news of the day, the politics and stuff like that. 232-1542 If you want to be part of the conversation, if you have any comments about the Cajuns and what they can or what what they can do against Tennessee tonight. I'll take all that as well. Send a message to the KPEL app. We're going to take this break. We'll be back in just a moment right here. News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPEL app chat. If you haven't downloaded the app yet, you really should because you can get the podcasts of our local shows, you can see all the news that we're writing each and every day. You get app alerts for breaking news up at the top right corner. There is that little texting icon that if you tap that and then go to general message, you can send me a message. I answer those throughout the show when they come in. Uh, but it's just a it's just a handy little feature to have right there on your phone. Um, And I, I really don't understand why you wouldn't have it at this point. Anyway. So, I'm trying to decide, you know, I've got like three minutes before the bottom of the hour news break. And there is a story that's, well, it's not really a story. It's it's a look back that I want to get to, because you know what happened three years ago today? Three years ago today was when the Trump administration announced 15 days to stop the spread. And the country was shut down. And ever since, we've been living with the consequences of that. Every economic problem that we have faced since then has a direct tie to that one moment. And I think what I want to do is get into that in at the bottom of the hour. I really want to focus on that then. In the meantime, I let me read this excerpt for you. The Washington State House has passed a bill that would prohibit Puget Sound Energy, or PSE, from extending, a natural ga- from extending natural gas to new buildings starting in June, the first proposal of its kind in the country. The vote came just days after a group of tradesmen and building industry members filed a lawsuit against the State Energy Code Council for a similar natural gas ban on a statewide level. Being the first in the nation is great, but it's not free and it's definitely not cheap, Representative Kelly Chambers, a Republican, told colleagues on the House floor. The bill drew intense opposition from other Republicans prior to the March 6th vote of 52 to 44, with Minority House Leader J.T. Wilcox, a Republican, later tweeting that the legislation was one of the most poorly thought out major bills he's ever seen, and predicting that it will cause redesign, delay, and extra costs. Do you remember not too long ago when the Biden administration put out a little white paper that suggested maybe we need to ban gas stoves? Republicans jumped on that and said, this is a terrible idea. And the entire media reaction was the Biden administration is not going to ban gas stoves. What are you talking about? Lo and behold, they want to ban not just gas stoves, but natural gas in new construction in the state of Washington. The progressives, the environmentalist cultists, are pushing this so heavily that that little minute of media outrage against Republicans for daring to suggest the Biden administration wants to ban gas stoves they look absolutely ridiculous in all this. It would be utterly disastrous for Washington or any other state if all new constructions were to just fully ban gas stoves. Sure, you can run electricity, but still the cheapest and the most efficient way to bring in a lot of of power for stoves, for heating water, things like that, still comes from natural gas. This would force major redesigns in the construction industry in Washington. All right, let's take a quick break. Bottom of the hour news, and then back with the Joe Cunningham Show right here. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. 232 1542. If you want to be part of the conversation. On Monday, it was the three-year anniversary of John Bell Edwards coming out and saying that we were going to close schools for a month in the state of Louisiana in order to try to mitigate the spread of COVID-19. I remember that day very well. It was a Friday the 13th. (laughs) Joy. Uh, So on that Friday the 13th, Three years ago, this past Monday, everybody was talking like, "Is is he going to close schools? How's what's going to happen?" COVID was on the rise. Everybody was talking about it that in class, and I remember saying to students, "We don't know what's going to happen. We just have to wait." And then I felt a buzzing on my Apple Watch, so I look at it, and there's a headline from I think it was maybe it was I can't remember which it was it was one of the local TV stations, uh said John Bell Edwards announces schools will close beginning Friday March 13th uh due to the increasing covid-19 or whatever the headline was now I looked up and every student was looking up from the phones they weren't supposed to have in class at me and then quietly but getting louder you could hear this dull roar coming from classrooms all around the school as kids got super excited about the fact that school was out. Four days after that, well, three days after that, really, March 16th, 2020, the Trump administration announced that they were going to order everything across the country be shut down for 15 days. 15 days to slow the spread, if you'll recall. Three years ago today, 15 days to slow the spread, and it got extended, It got extended. The U.S. economy was shut down. Schools across Louisiana and across the country were shut down. Irreparable harm to the mental health of of students and adults alike. Irreparable economic harm to the U.S., to small businesses. Across the country, things were shut down. The government assumed a power it did not have. And at the time we were dealing with COVID-19, we didn't know what we were dealing with. And so the government was making decisions that were really just kind of guesses. Uh, Dr. Burks who was part of the COVID response team, had later basically said, you know, that whole 15 days to, to stop the spread, that was really an experiment to see if we could do it. And they did it. They just assumed the power and they did it. And across the country, that was followed. It was during that time that Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, these other health experts in the federal government, they were platformed. They were given a platform. To this day, Dr. Fauci maintains that if you ever disagreed with him, you were disagreeing with the science, which is patently untrue because the point of science is to constantly research and disprove and disagree with the preconceived notions. But that is What happened? We saw the rise of Dr. Fauci. We saw the the rise of the health establishment in the country. And it's very funny to go back and remember that, yes, it was Donald Trump who did this. Donald Trump, whose administration saw some of the greatest economic growth we'd ever seen in this country, Record unemployment, overall record unemployment among minorities. A uh, a strong economy that seemed like the bubble was going to burst every day, and every day it got better. I mean, it was just phenomenal, the economic record that developed under Donald Trump, and that was mostly because he got government out of the way. But then he put government in the way, in a big way, when it came to shutting down the economy. And to this day... Donald Trump, the people who served in his administration, they've never really had to answer for what they did to the country. It was a pretty, pretty big thing that they did to the country. You can't just write it off and say, well, you know, it was was just a decision they had to make. No, they didn't have to make. We know, especially now, we know they didn't have to make that. They really had no power to make the decision in the first place. At the end of last week and going into this week, we had a financial crisis. Silicon Valley bank collapsed and was taken over by the FDIC. Another bank, New York signature bank was also taken over by regulators. First Republic bank saw a run on its accounts. Now, J.P. Morgan and some other financial institutions are now working to lend capital to First Republic to save it. The financial crisis is contained, but it was unstable there for a bit. Silicon Valley Bank is going to get bailed out. In fact, uh, Janet Yellen, uh, Secretary of the Treasury for Joe Biden, Janet Yellen basically admitted all the. Admitted as much before Congress today that yeah, uh, U.S. the you know the U.S. was bailing out these banks, especially Silicon Valley Bank. Should be noted that Silicon Valley Bank, a lot of its depositors, a lot of its account holders were Chinese firms. So U.S. taxpayers will actually be bailing out Chinese firms. What's more, Gavin Newsom the Far left progressive governor of California had a lot of business holdings with Silicon Valley Bank. Now, you need to 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 in, in, to be perfectly fair. Most of his holdings were in a blind trust, but he had personal accounts in that bank. His staff knew he had personal accounts in that bank, and he still he not only cheered the Biden administration for bailing the banks out, he lobbied for them to do it. These big banks, back in 2007, 2008, when, uh, when Barack Obama came into power after that, the big banks that were failing, they got bailouts. These big corporations, they got bailouts funded by the U.S. taxpayer. The small businesses, small banks, family-owned businesses. These folks they got PPP money. They got the paycheck protection program loans. These weren't massive bailouts. This was the this was enough money for them to keep people on staff. And the 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 people on staff actually hated that. I don't know if you know that. There were multiple, this this was a series of stories that we saw in the financial world for a while. There were employees who were livid at their employers for getting PPP money because they were making more money on unemployment. Those small businesses, they never recovered. They were never given a bailout, they were given PPP loans. But that was just to keep people employed, to keep the business open through the crisis. It wasn't a massive bailout that never really had to be repaid. You can't always expect when there's a business failure in, a, in an economic crisis, you can't always expect for those businesses to get bailed out. During the economic crisis of 2008, how many, during the Great Recession, how many businesses failed? How many of them got a bailout? The people in power, the people who are funded by the big corporations, they work hand-in-hand hand to make sure that those, the, the big guy always gets the bailout at our expense. And time and time again, you and me, employees, those of you who are business owners, small business, locally owned businesses, maybe localized or even regional chains, you don't get that kind of treatment. The government shuts down the economy and you as business owners get screwed in the process. The PPP loans weren't enough to keep you afloat the entire way through. They were just enough to keep people on staff to prevent an employment problem. But those loans didn't help you pay the bills all the way through. It was just enough to barely stay afloat. You didn't get a massive bailout. Silicon Valley Bank, which did no risk assessment of its investments, managed its monies poorly, was servicing a sector that was in the process of going major structural change due to interest rates. Silicon Valley Bank gets a bailout. How many of you had a business fail in the last 15 years? When were you offered a government bailout? You weren't. We have in this state a governor's race coming up. And one of the big questions that will need to be asked is who represents you and me? We're going to ask that same question next year for the presidential primary. Which one of those Republican candidates represents you and me? Because Joe Biden, on the Democrat side, represents those special interests. His administration has once again propped up the major the, these these banks. They've bailed out these banks that have done horrible jobs managing their money. Which Republican is going to say, I'm going to fight for you, small business owners. I'm going to fight for you, average American. I'm going to fight for you, Main Street. I'm not going to fight for you, Wall Street. Who's going to say that in Louisiana? Who's going to say that in the Republican Party in 2024? That's what we need to be looking for. I, for one, am tired of my tax money being used to prop up these failing financial institutions who have... No idea really what they're doing, it seems. alright Two three 232-1542, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL, two three two fifteen forty two. if you want to be part of the conversation. Uh, we've got Richard on the line. In fact, Richard, how are you today?
1: Good, good, Joe. What you got? Uh, Joe, uh, I'm not hearing anybody talk about the amount of money that's being spent mm-hmm. to bail this one bank out. Yeah. I I looked up looked it up and uh they've got 197,000 177 uh billion dollars in deposits. Mm-hmm. The the federal the FDIC has in reserve 41 billion dollars. Yeah. So that one bank is going to wipe all that out and they're going to be printing the money. Mhm. The depositors are going to go to the bank on this Monday and, and start taking that money out. Yeah. Who gave the authority to override the law that was in 2010, they passed the, the, the limit, the $250,000 limit on deposits. Who, Who gave that authority to override that? Um,
0: was that part of the Dodd Frank bill? No, Dodd Frank was all about the yep, regulation. Yeah, that was
1: the Dodd Frank bill.
0: Was that part? Was was that, was, that part of the bill uh, repealed? Because I know that 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 Congress uh, eventually repealed a good chunk of Dodd Frank.
1: Yeah, they, they had to. Re, they had a hundred thousand dollar limit set uh, before that, and and the Dodd Frank bill set it at two hundred and fifty thousand.
0: Um, you, it it is extraordinary. I again. This is an administration that is changing the rules as it goes. But but don't you worry, Richard, because the Democrats will make sure that no Republican, if they ever get back into office, will ever be able to just quietly change the rules ever again.
1: Well, and the the real point of all this is uh, they can't afford the one bank that went broke. No, they've got signature bank that's broke.
0: Mm
1: Where is that money going to come from? And then how about all the interest rates are going to go up? Yeah. And that's going to make all their bond money worthless, and other banks are going to fall.
0: Yeah. Richard, you're... Where where,
1: where is it in?
0: You're absolutely right. Unfortunately, I'm right up against the clock here, Richard. Thank you very much for calling in, though. Appreciate it. All right, you guys, glad to talk to you. Hey, remember, you can tune in on Terrestrial Radio here... 96.5 Ninety six point five KPL to listen to the cages tonight. You will not be able to listen to it through the app. Any online streaming. The NCAA Tyrants that they are will not allow those games to be streamed by affiliates. However, stick around for that. In the meantime, Shannon is offsides next. Follow me on Twitter, Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and email Joe at redstate.com. Talk to you guys again soon. Shannon is offsides next, right here on News Talk, 96.5 KPL.